Wow, Johnny Church, it's so good to be here. Praise the name of Jesus. Uh, my name is Alex. I come from Uganda. I lead a church there called the City Church. Uh, but I'm pretty much part of Journey Church. I've been part of the, the, the journey of Journey Church from uh, the very start. And uh, Keith is such a good, a good friend of mine. And, uh, and you, uh, you people, uh, you've got a true man of God in this house. Keith. Let, 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 let us celebrate him uh, in the presence of God. Let, yeah, let's appreciate him. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, uh, uh, uh. You have a man that is in love with Jesus Christ. And that makes a whole, whole big difference. And so we want to, to thank God for the faithfulness of the ministers in this house. Uh, the pastors that lead here and do such an amazing job. It was, it was so beautiful being here last week and seeing what God is doing in just the last 10 years, even just last Sunday, uh, I was part of opening uh, the Redmond campus and to see what God is doing there. It's a testimony of God's goodness. We, we have to celebrate those things because, and, and I, like I told uh, uh, the people before, when you see God do something, however small it is, you ought to celebrate it because you should understand a truth. When God does something, it is evidence. It is testimony that he can do even better, even more. Because he is God. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Um, Maybe if I continue on that thought, I would like for you to help me out because I, I see some people have never seen me preach. But usually when I preach, uh, there's this thing that goes on between me and the congregation. Like every now and then I say, praise the Lord. And in my mind, I'm thinking you're going to say amen. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'll say hallelujah in kind of a question form. And I'm thinking you're going to say amen. So just help me feel a little bit at home when you hear it coming. Just say amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Perfect. Hallelujah. Yeah, so I, I was telling you, you know, the scriptures tell us that our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what we can think or even imagine. And so that's the God we have come to. So when you see him do something, praise him like crazy because he can do even more. He can do even more. And there's something about praising God that just opens up, uh, I don't know, I guess it opens up his generosity towards us. It's like a key to a door to divine generosity and, and, and goodness. And so we praise God. We praise him when things are going well. We praise him when things don't seem to be going well. We, we praise him in all situations and in all circumstances. That's why Tusinze has come here and we want to praise God together in the U.S. Hallelujah. Uh, but I, I'm here to share the word of God. We are continuing with this series of Someone Hope for Everyone because the truth is uh, the hope that we have in Christ is available for everyone. For everyone. And we get to be part of it. We get to be part of what God is doing. Now today, uh, I'm going to be talking about the mission and the mission to transform the world. 
And whenever I think about the mission, I, I, I also understand that the truth is actually this is not our mission. This is the mission of Christ. But yet he invites us into that mission. And we go with him. And he empowers us. And he turns us into the conduits in which he transfers his grace towards the world. And therefore, transformation is able to happen because we are available as God works through us to avail transformation around the world. Hallelujah. And that's exciting when you think about it. Praise the name of Jesus. And, and so as I start today, uh, and, and we, go, we are going to go into the word of God. But I also wanted to point out, because whenever we gather like this, there are num there, we, 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 uh, different people have come from different walks of life. And, uh, and, I, and I know every, uh, we, 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 we do have people here who, uh, perhaps for you, the Jesus thing, you haven't yet really bought into it. And it's fine. It's okay to still have questions, to still be uh, in the place of, uh, is, this, is this it or is it not it? Uh, it's okay because we all come from there. But today, uh, I wanted to speak uh, more directly to people who have already given into it. And, and so if you haven't yet, you get to listen in on to uh, some of the conversations that those people who have already given into the Jesus thing get to have. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> but it is, it is critical that every now and then we remind ourselves. Because when we come to Jesus, we join God who is already on mission. That's good. Yeah. And we get to be the hands and the feet of this amazing God. Praise the Lord. And, and so we are going to start our discussions today from Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Verses 51. And we'll go all the way to verses 56. The Bible says that now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadily set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face and they went and as they went they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But when they did not receive him, the Samaritans, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem and when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Father, we thank you because the entrance of your word brings light. And now may that light shine so bright today. In this morning, that it will illuminate every part of us. 
Let your word come with power and conviction so that the man of God will be transformed and changed into, the, into what you want us to be. So light shine from your word to the glory of your holy name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So the, as we start out with, this, with the text, the time has come for Jesus to be received up. That means he has, there is a reason why he, has, he came to the earth. There's a reason why Jesus left the throne in heaven to come and be like men and be like us. And that whole reason comes to a culmination at the cross. But now he has been here for the last three years. He's been preaching, he's been teaching, and he's been moving around. But today he is going to make, he has started his journey that is going to be uh, leading him to the cross, to Jerusalem. Because in Jerusalem, that's where he's going to find the men uh, that are going to surrender him to the Roman authorities to the cross. Now, it says, when he knew that the time has come, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He determined because if Jesus had come and did everything that he did here on earth, but did not get to that cross, then uh, his time here would have been a good time, but it would not have been a beneficial time. You need to understand that Jesus, uh, Jesus comes because he sees us. He looks at us as God and he knows that we are in such trouble but we cannot help ourselves. He finds us in such a quagmire that he knows whatever effort we can put in can never help us out. We cannot help ourselves. And, and so he comes to this world so that he might help those who are helpless. So that he may give hope to those who are hopeless. So that he may uh, pay a price that we cannot afford to pay. So that he can take on a death we could never take on ourselves. Now he knows the only way he can help us. The only way he can help people is if he goes to that Jerusalem place. Because there he's going to get on the cross. And that is the mission. That is what brings him. Because he knows there are men and women that are hopeless, helpless, and without help. And without the cross, there's no salvation. There's no help. So he sets his face to go to Jerusalem. Because he is always on mission. He, is, he has the mission before him and nothing is going to distract him. However, he does a curious thing because what he does 
is he sends messengers before him. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. Now, this is a curious thing because uh, normally a good Jew, and Jesus is a very good Jew, you do not go through the Samaritan villages to get to Jerusalem. If you're coming from, from uh, Galilee, uh, you would rather, because you're a good Jew, you would rather take the longer route than go through the villages of the Samaritans because it would contaminate you. <laughs> the Samaritans are considered to be... Um, um, they are a mixed race. They, they are not very good. In fact, uh, the Samaritans call themselves Jewish, but the Jewish, the Jews know that these are half-breeds. <laughs> uh, and in, in, in one way, by the way, it, it is kind of true because when the, uh, all these things are in the Bible, when you read the Bible, there are all these stories that are amazing. So uh, one, one time the Assyrians came, they wiped out 10 tribes of Israel. Uh, basically took them out of the land that they, they own, which is now considered to be Samaria. And then after some time with the land having no people, it became occupied by a lot of lions. And, and so the, 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 the king thought, well, if we leave the land empty, the lions will multiply and eat all of the people. So he sent in more people. So the people that came to occupy Samaria were not really Jewish. And they became, they would become Jews whenever it would benefit them. But when the enemy came and was fighting against the Jews, then they would side with the enemies. They worshipped in different places. And so the Jews looked at the Samaritans and they did not like the Samaritans. They were traitors. They were not people of God. But even the Samaritans also had their own beef with the Jews. <laughs> and they thought they had the places of worship, but the, the Jews also thought it's Jerusalem. And these guys had also their place, Gazim, where they would they had their own temple. And, and so, but Jesus. He's Jesus, and so he's always doing things that are out of, outside of the box. Uh, and, and he really is always doing whatever, because he's Jesus. You have to understand, he does what Jesus wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. Um, and so he's always upsetting the status quo. And so this time... He decides, I'm going through Samaria. And he sends messengers. And the Samaritans are okay if he's coming through but not heading through Jerusalem. Because what we see again is that when the Samaritans get to know that he's going to Jerusalem, in verse 53, it says, but they did not receive him. And the reason they don't receive him is because his face is set for the journey to Jerusalem. They are okay 
if he's going anywhere else or he's, if he's visiting Samaria, but if he's going to Jerusalem, That's good. <laughs> and, and so the messengers are trying to prepare for Jesus' visit, but these guys are like, um, no. They, they reject him. Uh, uh, but guys, remember, you, you met him at a certain well. And, and you guys kind of seemed to agree that he's the Messiah. Yeah, we did, but where's he going? <laughs> if it's Jerusalem, he's not coming here. So they reject him. And when they reject him, James and John have been hanging out with Jesus. And you see, when you hang out with Jesus, there are certain things about Jesus that begin to rub off of you. By the way, that's why it is so important that you, you spend time with the Lord. That's why it's important for all of us to, to, to spend time in prayer. And, and, and you spend time with Jesus. Certain things about Jesus just become part of you. And so John and James have been hanging out with Jesus. And they have seen these big things done through their hands. One time he sends them out two by two and I guess they go with James and John go together and, and they, they, they are praying for the demon possessed and the demons are running away. They, 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 they are praying for the lame and the lame are walking, the blind are seeing and they, and they are seeing all these different things happening because they hang out with Jesus and so they know there is such power when you hang out with Jesus. But then they look and see that these men, these Samaritans, have rejected Jesus. There is something about, for those of us who have understood who Christ is, have given ourselves up, like you've tested the goodness of Christ. And then you live in a context and, and you get into a context where Jesus is not received. Jesus is rejected. You want to do something about it. My mother, my mother grew up uh, uh, as a child. Uh, she grew up serving in a shrine. And... Uh, and so for her, she thought it was a normal thing that before you sleep, uh, every night like you, you, you are seeing all these different things and, uh, and, and sleep never comes really easy. And it was her normal experience. And she, thought, she just assumed that is everybody's experience. Until one day, she goes to church, gives her life to Jesus, and the devils go and the demons move and then for the first time in her life she sleeps the whole night and she's so excited very excited so she just tells people about Jesus so she goes back to her clan's people to her, to her family and just tells them guys I found Jesus and he has set me free. You know, he can set all of us free. Yeah. 
They look at her like she's crazy. In fact, they tell her, you're crazy. How can you reject the gods of our father? How can you reject our ancestral worship? And in fact, what they do is they ostracize her. They cast her out of the clan. They deny her the family rights because she has found Jesus. And, and many of us actually, uh, I, I mean, uh, w- when you think of the context that you live in, how much is Jesus accepted? But when you have understood this man, Jesus Christ, and what he's done and what he does for us. When people reject him, you, you feel like you want to do something about it. I'll tell you one, more, one story. <laughs> one time, uh, my friends and I were at university. We, we went out to a, a certain community to preach to the community and tell them about Jesus. And uh, uh, I was playing the keyboard back then. And, and one of my friends was up starting to get ready to preach and, and tell the people about Jesus. And we had about 200 of, or more people just surrounding there to listen to the gospel. And then we, I, we saw at a certain corner, mo- most people were running away from us and they were going to a certain corner because there's a certain dude that was really, really speaking to them. So I became curious. I said, what is this? Uh, I left the keyboard and I, and I went to hear what the guy was saying. He was a Muslim man. And he was saying, Those boys are lying to you. This Jesus is not real. He's not there. And for some reason, I just thought to myself, that's true. If Jesus is there, then he ought to come and show up. That's good. Come on. So I squeezed through the middle of the circle and I stood in front of the man and I said, man, you see, we can engage in debates. Whether he is or he is not. But let's do one thing. How about we call him? And I said, you say Jesus is not here. I say he is here. And we we have all these people and we still need them to listen to what we are saying. So let's do this one thing. You, You just, if you can just call Jesus three times. Then we will know whether he is there or he is not, and that will be done. Then we can move forward. And I got the support of the crowd because that was very real. And they said, Yes. So I told him, Call him three times. And he started Jesus. Nothing happened. And he said, See? I told you, these guys are lying to you. And I say to to him, well, call him again. He calls him the second time. Says, Jesus. And nothing happens. And he says to the people, see, they're just wasting our time. Jesus isn't real. Let's move. And now it's the crowd that came out and said, no, 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 no. The boy told you three times. (laughs) So you have one more time to go. In the middle of that circle, that man dared 
to speak about the name that is above any other name. To speak, to call on the God that made the heavens and the earth and everything that is. And he opened his mouth and said, Gee, before he could finish the name Jesus. I don't know what happened to him, but he fell down and began rolling. And by the time he stood up, he ran. He ran away from the field. <laughs> and we just made an altar call. that James and John had seen some things like that. And so they turn to Jesus and say, and say, Jesus, would you want us to command fire? Because we can. <laughs> because when you have seen Jesus, when you've understood what Jesus has done for you, you don't want anybody just playing with your Jesus. But Jesus stands to them and rebukes them and tells them, guys, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Jesus came to save men. Now, for some of you, uh, your Bibles don't have all this. They, uh, you, you might. Uh, but the, the whole deal, the mission that brings Jesus to the earth is there. It is to save men. We find it littered all over the scriptures. In Luke chapter 19, right after he has uh, had the dealings with uh, Zacchaeus. Jesus says these words. Today salvation has come to this house, Zacchaeus' house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He continues in Matthew chapter 18. And again he says, for the son of man has come to save that which is lost. And even in John, there is a witness. In John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John again writes in chapter 12, verses 47, and he says, If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ came to offer salvation to men. And the truth is this, when you think about the concept of a savior or salvation itself, you only need to be saved when you are unable to help yourself out of your circumstances. And the world is caught up at a place where they can't help themselves. But Jesus Christ came that he may seek and save those who are lost. And that's how we transform the world. Indeed, he is working to transform the world. But transformation, first of all, has to begin within the hearts of people. And it is that transformation that happens that then causes the transformation of the world. 
Hallelujah. And so, this salvation is so precious. And it is huge. Because when you think about the salvation that Jesus is bringing, it has a number of things that are involved in it. Let me describe to you a little of those things that are involved in this salvation. First of all, it involves the forgiveness of sin. Jesus comes and says, your sins are forgiven. And the disciples, when they began to proclaim the gospel, they told the people that in this man, we declare to you the forgiveness of sin. And that by him, everyone is justified from all those things. They could not have been justified by the law of Moses. And so Jesus gives us the forgiveness of sin. He avails it to us. If you want to know the extent of this forgiveness, you think about a man called Paul. Before he was called Paul, he was called Saul. And Saul had gone out killing Jesus' people. So if you think you're bad, Paul was terrible. But Jesus met him. And Jesus forgave everything that Paul had done. And he doesn't just forgive. He justifies us. He makes us right. And not only that. He then gets the righteousness of God and gives it to us. So our salvation also involves the imputation of the righteousness of God upon you and me. Where therefore, it means because of Jesus, God can look at you and me and you are righteous. You are holy. You are without blame and blemish. That is who we are in Christ. Come on somebody, give glory to Jesus. And with the imputation of righteousness also comes our reconciliation with God. So the enmity that used to exist between you and God is taken away because Jesus went to the cross. So there is no longer enmity. There is reconciliation in this salvation. We've been reconciled to God. That literally means you and God are buddies. You are friends. We get to be friends of God. That's the song we sing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Because I've been reconciled to God. Come on, somebody. Salvation means not only reconciliation. It gets even better. I am not just his friend. He adopts me in his family. Oh, what a savior. Hallelujah. So this salvation is huge. Because not only do I become a friend of God, we become sons and daughters of God. And because we become sons and daughters of God, we become co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. In other words, we have an inheritance. 
Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. This salvation is amazing. And he says, I came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them, to give them all this. Now, it even gets better than adoption. Because with the adoption, we can now also talk about glorification. Woo, Woo yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. We, we, we talk about glorification because now we get to understand that the life we live today in no way compares to the life that we get to live when after this life is wrapped up. Woo! In fact, it tells us that the life we live today is a mere shadow of the real life that is coming. We have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so we have a hope, a hope of our glorification. We know that a time is coming when we will be, when it will be better than this. However good you think you have it now, it does not compare to how it's going to be. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, this is when I feel like jumping around. Hallelujah. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, both sure and steady for us. And it is this hope which enters behind the veil where our forerunner has entered for us. Even Jesus Christ have be having become a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Come on, somebody give me an amen. We have a hope because of Je what Jesus has done for us. His mission has always been the salvation of men. And when men come into this salvation, the rest of the world receives the peace, the joy, the transformation it ought to get. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, somebody. This hope we have as an anchor. And Paul talks about this hope in Colossians and says... You see, when you embrace the hope I'm talking about, the hope of our salvation, that hope evokes two other great things in your life. It evokes the faith in the Lord Jesus. Because when you understand the hope we have, then you dare... Uh, you cannot not believe in him. You cannot not trust in him. But that hope, so it not only evokes faith, it also evokes the love for other people. I can love people because I know God loves people. And if you don't love them, then God loves them. And I want to be on God's side. But you see, he's already on our side. And it frees me to love even the Samaritans. You see, uh, here in America, you guys are dealing with racism. In Uganda and Africa, we deal with tribalism. 
So it is all over. It's everywhere. Like men have a way of gauging other people by the make of their skin, color, whatever, and, and kind of put their own judgments. But Jesus doesn't. He came for the salvation of all men and gives hope to all men. And so Paul writes and says, we give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. So you see, uh, he had heard that the Colossians have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they have love for all the saints. And that love they have it because of the hope which is laid up for them in heaven. So you see, when you understand the hope you have, it frees you into faith and love. And when love, faith, and hope coincide, then we get fruitfulness. It is that fruitfulness that then manifests the transformation of this world. Now we have to understand that according to Jesus, when he's talking to James and John, he is saying, that is the spirit you carry. The spirit we carry. The spirit we are made of. If you came into Jesus, you carry hope. That hope is for everyone. And if people are going to know about that hope, someone has to tell them about that hope. Someone has to go to them and tell them about that. Unless you haven't understood the hope. But when you understand the hope, it sends you out. And that's what had happened to the Colossians. Because Paul tells them that you also learned this hope, this salvation. You learned it from Epaphras. Epaphras, who was a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And who has declared your love in the spirit. Because, brothers and sisters, when you meet a man and a woman who have understood the kind and the manner of spirit they are of, that that is the manner of spirit. It's the spirit of salvation for all men. Then those men and women, they are the men and women we look at and say, wow, God is using you. I mean, when you look at what God has done here in Bend in the last 10 years with Johnny Church, don't you marvel? Come on. And so that's why I said, you can't just sit in the pew. You've got to engage with the mission. It's the mission of Jesus. He's doing it and he has already shown us how the thing is working. His mission will be fulfilled. Join. Join in the mission. I look at what God has done in Luzira, where I come from. We went in and eight years ago, we found a community that has both the marginalized and, some, and the influencers. And we said, God, what, could, what can you do in this place? And we were a small, tiny church. But we decided, let's engage with young people. And through the Fit for Life program, we decided, let's train entrepreneurs. Because the unemployment rate in Uganda is at about 60, 
8 to 72%, depending on who you are reading. We say, no, the gospel speaks into all this. Let's create entrepreneurs. To this point, we've started 19 businesses for young people. We have 78 already trained. And then, the girls in the community that we are getting pregnant because they are in circumstances and situations where not teenagers should be really growing through. We started Help House to provide hope for these young girls from the age of 9 to 18. And then we said, when you look at the education system in Uganda, it's broken. Someone has to start somewhere. So we started a school. We said, let's do a school that provides Christian education with critical thinking and problem-solving techniques. Let our children begin to think from a young age. So we started the Full City Kindergarten and Daycare Center and now Academy. But you see, all those things, without the transformation of people's hearts, are still simply good things, but not transformative things. And that's why the church was critical. So when we went in, it was started with a small church. And we had about 15 people in church as we started out. But you see, when you understand that God has called you to participate with Jesus... In transforming the world, there's no telling how much he can do. Started out with renting and all that. Now God gave us a piece of property and a new church. So that's now our new location. And you know what? We're just starting. We're now trusting God. That all those things are going to be brought and we, be, we, we form a ministry center in this area. Downtown Luzira. And just make it a center for ministry for God's people. That's awesome. uh, watch this video with me and see. So that's where we are right now. So this time around with my, t- with my team, we are going to be uh, in the U.S. for 12 weeks and we are sharing the vision. We are saying, church, come and join us in this mission. We want to see the school become even better. We want to serve more men and women. We want to start more business. We want to start a business center. We want to have a church that is... Uh, reaching out to even more and more people. We, we, we want more young girls taken care of. We, 
We want to see the gospel break through our communities like crazy. And these things, we are the church of Christ. And he has taken of his spirit. Understand, brothers and sisters, that he has given us this same spirit. Do you not know what manner of spirit you are of? It's the kind that brings salvation to men. And we get to participate with Jesus in the mission. Let's stand up and I'm going to pray with you. Father, we've declared your word to your people. Now let your light shine. Lord, for the many whose hearts are being starred to support your work, to engage. For those that Lord had sat on the sidelines for many days and for many years. I believe there's there's some people here, you served before, you served before and where you served, you were hurt by men. But you know what? You are not serving men. You're serving Jesus. You have to forgive. You've got to get over that and just say, Lord, that was a man. That was a human being. Now, I want to serve you. And there are others that you've just perhaps just had a number of excuses. I'm so busy and I have so much on my plate. And really, the Lord is just calling you and saying, no, you need to make my work priority too. So Father, for everyone here, I pray there will be a true revelation of the manner of spirit that is operating in each one of them so that we will engage in the transformation of our communities to the glory of the Son. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.